and welcome back to another episode of House of 50. My name is William Service, and today's fantastic guest is... My name is Ronnie Tamimi. Dude, it's been a minute. It has been. It's it, been a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I really, I can't picture the last time we hung out. It might have been Greg's viewing. It might have been. It might have been about five years now, like the actual like last hangout we did. I know yeah. we talk here and there. We always try to keep in touch, but yeah, with how life drags us apart and each one of us goes in a direction, it's always nice to reconnect with someone from high school. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're more familiar with each other uh, doing a bunch of film stuff, but I have to ask, like, you're still doing film stuff technically, right? I am actually, yeah. I've, I've always found ways to incorporate it into my life. Um, it definitely isn't the uh, primary thing that I do. But whatever it is that I'm doing, I try to bring in some kind of filming element. Right, right. And I can get in more later on. But yeah, definitely, I can never get rid of that. What uh, what are you doing? Like, what's your ex like? I guess job description. <laughs> so, after high school, I decided I was going to go into um, civil and survey engineering. Oh wow. So, uh, and uh, I got those degrees, I'm in the industry, and right now I'm actually a PhD candidate for geodetic engineering at The Ohio State University. Oh, so I'm, I'm going to have to text you Mr. Dr. Ron, uh, <laughs> Rami. Not quite yet, but very soon, yes. You're going to have to change your contact info to Dr. Rami. Okay, I like it. I like that. Yeah, so I still work in the industry. I'm really involved in the geospatial side, which is where we use drones to create maps. Drones, oh my god. That, yeah. I, oh, I never, I still have not been able to play with a drone as much as I oh, would no. like to. No. But, drones uh, are huge uh, in the film industry. Oh yeah, now, like, yeah, and definitely now nowadays. Like, you, can't, you can't watch a video on YouTube without someone having a drone. You can't mm -hmm. watch a movie without a drone overview of like the city that they're filming in. It, it's, a, it's always that, you know, overview, birdshot yes. type of thing. So you... You survey the land? like So what's like the point of surveying so, the land? Surveying, you know, not to get too technical, is basically um, the art of measuring. Okay. Your job is to measure and to show what exists on the earth. So if you were to call me and say, I want you to survey my land, I could tell you where your property is exactly. I can tell you where your house sits. I can tell you where your driveways are, your sidewalks, uh, if you have a porch in the back. With drones, we can take several images, stitch those images together, and then create a 3D map of your house. Uh, and I can measure on the computer rather than do it in the real world. So drones kind of simulate the real world by recreating it through images. Oh, wow. Now, is this for, like, uh, people at property disputes? Or, like, who, why, like, why would someone hire... A, a surveyor. There's a, there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, you could have a dispute with your neighbor. Your neighbor built a fence and it's a couple feet into your property. So you would tell him, hey, I need you to move the fence. No, I don't want to move the fence. Well, let me get a surveyor. He'll tell you where my property is and then you'll see that you are building um, in my property. That's one reason you call okay. a surveyor. Another reason, let's say you want to build an addition to your house. And so you want to know exactly where everything is in your property so that when your civil engineer designs the addition, uh, he's able to work around the existing conditions of the property. So you would then measure, you know, the elevations of the ground, figure out where everything is in relation to um, the house. So right. you go to build the addition, you're not creating any issues. Now, do you guys do the elevation stuff too? Yeah, drones can do elevations as well. I mean, they, when you stitch the images together, all the images have different focal points. Okay. And right. so the focal point of all those images is moving because the drone is moving and it takes a picture. So when you stitch all the images together, you can create a 3D depth through the calibration. It gets really technical as to how the algorithms work, but right. you're able to stitch all those images together and then create a 3D perception of the object, whether it's the house or the porch or you know, even the cars that are in the driveway. It'll, it'll show us how high everything is. And so we're able to calculate uh, elevation through pictures as well. Dude, that's actually, that's, I mean, I know that's engineering because, you know, every engineer is you know 12 steps ahead of everyone <laughs> but that that is awesome I, I you know it's it's one of the many things that drones are capable of doing i mean drones at the base level are great for aerial images and video video footage um but it, at its high end i mean it can really capture some high detailed data 
from perspectives that would have cost us millions of dollars if you were to get somebody on a plane with a big device. Or even a helicopter with, like, a helicopter, right? sonar, I guess, maybe? I don't know. Yep. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they use the helicopters, and they put uh, different sensors on it. Now you can just put a drone with nobody in it, right. and it'll do the same thing. Now, do you have any uh, drones yourself, like, personal owned, or...? Yeah, I've got three drones. Oh, wow. I've got a Phantom 3, and that was the the first one that I ever got in college. It was a $400 drone. Okay. That's what I learned how to do everything on. I, I have an Inspire 1, okay. which was what I used for a very long time. Um, and that had a 12-megapixel camera on it, so pretty detailed images. Not bad for, uh, I mean, even cameras, like... Back then, they wouldn't even be able to put a... 12 megapixels was good. Yeah. 12 megapixels back in 2014 and 15, that was good. Impressive, for sure, yeah. Um, and then I got the uh, Matrice 210 with an RTK GPS sensor, and that one has a 20 megapixel camera on it. How one, How much did that one run you? That one was a $30,000 drone. Yeah. I, <laughs> just you describing it, I'm like... You know, there was even extra letters in that name. Like, oh yeah, I mean, that's going to be expensive. The GPS upgrade is significant for our work, but it is also very significant in my pocket because uh, it burned a nice hole uh, with the additional fees. But it's worth it. It makes it makes its money back. So. Now, is this an independent company, or do you actually like work for a? Is there a big name company? Like, you don't have to say the company name. Yeah, I work. In, I work in the private sector. Okay. But I also do work on the side. Um, and for my own research uh, at the PhD level, I do a lot of uh, testing, and so just so I can see, you know, where the best results are coming in from. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I am still in the private sector. I don't know how much longer I will be because I'm sure at some point, uh, either the federal government. Or the educational space will take over. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, something's gonna probably come up from that. But, oh yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, well, are you probably paid better for in the private sector or? Depends. Like, um, private sector really depends on your qualifications. So while I might have a ton of degrees, uh, I don't have any kind of certificate or licensure from like the state. Mm. When you become licensed by the state, you know, then you have kind of like this professional status the professional status is what ends up giving you higher pay more respect so while education is important in some aspects licensure is also important so i gotta i focus a lot on the education side of things now i need to go focus on getting the license which it's coming you know i'm i'm not that old <laughs> i mean yeah oh yeah but uh is it hard to get licensing or no it just requires four years of experience after your education and then there are three exams that you have to take Oh, that's not too bad. No, it's not bad. I mean, you can knock it all out in a year after you get your, your, your four years four done. years experience. Or within the four years of experience, you, know, you also take the exams and you oh. have your education. So, and you only need a bachelor's. I mean, I went overkill with going into a PhD program. Yeah, but that's gonna be better for you in the long run. Sure, yeah, it opens doors that you know other people don't have. So, um, I, I was on your YouTube page not too long ago, and so. Is that the same YouTube page you used in high school? It is. I rebranded. You definitely um, did. So let me let me go back with the history of my YouTube channel. So I started YouTube in 2009. Oh, wow. And uh, 2009, the big players are the godfathers now. And one of them was Nigahiga. Oh, uh, right, right. Nigahiga oh. made some series how-to, you know. And he, he would show you how to be a ninja, how to be a gangster, you know, whatever. Love that. And, and yeah, they're, they're, they're like classics. Right. Those are the original YouTube, you know, videos that we all watched as kids. Right. So I was like a, a child. And so my mom had one of those those uh, cameras with a tape. But the nice thing about hers was you could take a snippet of the tape and convert it to a digital file. Okay. So I was learning how to, you could do it all on the camera. Right. So I was filming these how to, I think I made a video how to be a, a, a spy, how to be a nerd. How to be ugly. Like, I, I was just making parodies of Niga Higa's videos. I mean, it worked back then, yeah. Yeah, and so I would make these videos, and um, and then I would take the snippets from the tape, and then I would, I had a software, the Windows Movie Maker software, you could just add the clips. Oh, that's the OG stuff, that's too. That's the OG stuff, yeah. right. So I would just add those clips, and then I'd make a full MOV file, and that was the start of it. But um, 2009, I don't know, I was just scared, I guess, to upload. So I never uploaded any of those videos. They all just sit on my desk. I still have copies of all of them, but that's good. Um, yes, yeah, I, I never uploaded them. The first real upload happened when I started getting into magic. I remember these days. Yeah, the card tricks and all that stuff. Yes, I was really into magic, and I really wanted to showcase it on YouTube. So I would make these card trick 
videos and uh, there was a, a new niche that happened and it was like doing magic tricks but in a cinematography way okay so people would like have high production value and then they would do a simple card trick and those videos would get like a million views and so i was like i'm gonna get into oh, wow. this space okay so i started to amp up my video production quality i got a better camera i actually got some real software not movie maker um i really started to invest in learning how to do videos and uh, so i started to do that and then I think the, the niche started to die out, or I don't know what it was, but I kind of didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, but then the whole, uh, uh, I was in, I was getting into high school, and vlogging was getting big on YouTube. Right, uh, which, yeah, I remember these days, too. Yeah, I was like, let me transition into vlogging, because there's a bigger market for viewership. Right. Uh, so I started doing that, and it was super oversaturated, but I mean, I don't know what that is at the time. I was just a child. Uh, I was like, all right, you know, let me let me get into this. This will be fun, and I enjoyed doing it. It was it was great, but um, getting people to recognize me, although it was happening, wasn't as easy as being in a niche market. Right. So I didn't know any of this stuff you know, going in. Oh yeah, no, you're just kind of winging it. Like I'm winging it. Yeah, like, just I want to do this. Start it. Like that's it. I was involved with a couple other projects with you, but I kept this YouTube thing on the side. And then uh, when I graduated, I kind of decided, all right, I'm. I think I've had my fun with it. I'm going to just put it to rest. And I went five years away from YouTube. Ooh. And in those five years, I got my bachelor's degree, I got my master's degree, and I started my PhD. Um, and I never really had any opportunities. I mean, I would make a video every once in a while, uh, but I wouldn't upload on YouTube. And if I ever had to do a project and they were like, you can make a video, I would bust out all my... Old filmmaking stuff. skills and go full production on it you know and so I, I never I never hesitated to get back into it but I never had an opportunity to make a mass amount of videos until recently uh, recently I got hired by Ohio State to be a teaching assistant oh seriously yes oh okay so and this this is a great opportunity because it's fully funded my PhDs I don't have to pay anything Wow I get paid a salary it's not much but it's a small salary right it's like a stipend. And then I get, like, health insurance and, like, all the benefits, you know, of being employed by a regular employer. So, um... That's impressive. I, yeah, I, I, I was really excited for that. And with COVID, we uh, were transitioning to online, but the labs were going to stay on campus. So, I had to teach on campus, but I didn't have a classroom to prepare the students for the labs. Okay. So, I thought the best way to deliver the information and to kind of prepare them was to make the YouTube video for them. Makes sense. And so I started making YouTube videos um, with high production quality about surveying, the basic fundamental principles of surveying. And to my surprise, um, I had such a huge, uh, uh, I would say, response in, in a positive way from people all around the world. Oh, I saw the view count. Like, that was... And the views are coming in. I mean, I'm getting up... Right now, I mean, granted... In, when you compare it to other YouTubers, it's not much. But beforehand, when I was doing the magic trick videos, I was getting like 50 views a video. Okay. When I was doing the vlogs, I was getting two to 300 views a video. Right. Right now, I am averaging about 800 to 2,000 views. That's impressive. That's yes. a good jump. It's a good jump from where I was in the other two. So this, and then now I understand what niche market is. I understand what oversaturation is. So this is a niche market. This is a very niche market because this is such a high skill level. Of teaching that not a lot of people know how to do it and then if they do know how to do it they don't know how to present it in a way that's going to be entertaining um, engaging and just you would think the quality of the content is good so I feel like I'm bringing something new to the table and uh, people like it I mean people from all over the world message me and talk to me about it so that's impressive dude that's that's you know and like I said earlier I mean I I'm not really filmmaking isn't like the primary thing that I do anymore but I find now ways to incorporate it and this is how I'm incorporating it into my career I like that, dude. Yeah. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> no, like, yeah, it's, uh, I, I you know, I, I keep my tabs and, you know, here and there, and, you know, we, uh, we, we, we posted through, I think, on my channel, your channel, and then we eventually did the, uh, Film Club channel. Yes. And, uh, were you part of the Office intro? I was. Okay. Yes. I think that's about the time I left Dakota, and I was like, you know... I'm not even going to be part of film club anymore and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I'll just start it. I leave, you know. But um, I that was a little cringy when I saw that 
the office intro. Like, I get it, but like, it was just. It wasn't like film club quality, I would think. It was. So here's the thing with the office: they actually wanted to film a whole video, a five minute video, five to ten minute video, of like an office parody, but call it film club. And I that was, would make sense. I was like, all right, we can do that. That's fine. Um, I was, I think I was vice president at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my involvement was like scarce because I was also doing like the early college thing. So I was like, okay, I can be involved, but like not as much as I used to in the past. And I told them, I was like, okay, that's fine, we can do that, but like you need a good story. There was a freshman at the time, I don't want to say his name, but he, he was very ambitious, and he really wanted to do a lot of things. And I, I commended the kid. The guy was super kind, super nice. He listened, he wanted to learn, and I wanted to take him under my wing. The problem was the senior guys wanted to just depend on him. I was like, guys, there's a difference between depending on someone who's new and then mentoring someone who's new. Right. When you mentor them, you give them the opportunity to express their, you know, their ambitions. But at the same time, you limit their limit them with, you know, the reality of, hey, this is like where where we can go. We can't go beyond that because if we go beyond that, it's just not going to turn out the way you want it to. Right. So, the office video, I said, fine, you need a good storyline, and the storyline was terrible. Ooh. It was, there was, there was no, it wasn't like watching The Office. It was like watching one person scream at everybody and then another person trying to be a personality and shutting down all the other characters. There was a lot of misbalance in the, um, in the characters. It sounds like it was like a room full of Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's what it kind of yeah. like the idea and in of. The Office, there's just one Michael. Yeah. Because he is the, the head of the, the show, right? right? He's playing, he, he is, you know, the head of The Office. He does, he gives his orders. Um, and then everyone kind of is like more submissive and that's just kind of how you know good comedy works it would yeah balance i ended up telling the president at the time i was like look we need to scrap this completely um and he was like well we did like we did so much work into it we got to keep part of it i was like no we need to scrap this because this is not good and uh we we compromised and settled on keeping the intro and making it the intro of film night uh, that year. Right, I remember. So I was like, okay, fine, we'll make just the intro, the intro to film night, and we changed it from, uh, so we made film club, you know, just like, okay, now this is the intro to film club night, you know, um, and that was our compromise, and that's why it, it stayed, but there was more to it, and I got rid of it because it was not good quality. I think you made a really good call. I, uh, I, I do remember film nights. Uh, how many projects did they put out that year for film night? Do you remember? They did... say like four or five films we recycled some from the previous year okay to kind of keep the whole thing going the thing is film night was the only thing that we did and it would generate the money for the next year and i mean no one got paid or anything like that no, but no. we needed equipment you know and i think the first year that we did it we were using our own personal equipment yeah like you always brought in your stuff i brought in my stuff right. and we, we kind of just pulled the weight and said, hey, like, we want to do this. Like, let's just bring in our stuff mm-hmm. and put our <laughs> equipment at risk. But then after that, we were like, let's buy equipment using the film night money. And we needed to allocate someone who was responsible enough to get good equipment, to get something that they know how to use, and then to teach the people that are coming in how to use it. Um, That's still a lot to ask for someone, but... It, it is. It, it made sense for like. But if, if you we want did. it bad enough, like you you want to start a club in high school, like that's what you have to do to make it successful. That's how these clubs get big and have like real projects because there's that level of commitment that comes from outside of academics from the students. And if you don't have that commitment, and I know we had that commitment, and uh, we did those film nights to raise money to then you know be able to buy stuff for you know the club. I don't know how it is nowadays, but. I I, I, always, I still I want to reach out to uh, Miss Cook and I like see like is film club even a thing anymore? Like I know COVID's probably not. Well, yeah, that, that's completely gone. But uh, I I just I wonder if it like did our legacy continue? Like, it probably did for a year or so. I know that freshman that came in when I was a senior, he was really hyped about keeping it going. So did that hype last? Did it die out? I don't know. He's probably graduated by now. So. Yeah, that would have been about four years ago. Wow, that makes us seem a little older. Six years, but yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Four for me. And then, uh, well, wow, dude. I, uh, what made you join Film Club? Like, Do you remember how you heard about it? Like, Or 
think there were flyers, and um, you were the one that started it. Right. I didn't know who you were, but I remember uh, just because I was doing my own thing with YouTube. I think it what was it at the time I was doing the the magic trick videos with high film quality, and. I was like, I want to learn more. I want to get involved more. And this was, I wasn't, I mean, I was a part of like sports, but I didn't do anything in the arts yet. Right. Uh, actually, I took that back. I was in band. I did do band. And then later on, I joined theater. But film club was the basis of my arts outside of band. And uh, I don't even remember what her name was, the teacher that was running it. Uh, Miss Cook and then Sabota took over. They took over. But yeah. who was the original? She was like a student oh, teacher. Student teacher, Perkins. Perkins, yes. Um, she was overcomplicating the crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember you being frustrated, and I sat down with you, and I was like, you're the one that started this? And he goes, look, I didn't want it to be like this. It's like, I had this vision. I was like, I like your vision. I like, you know, the way you're looking at this. And I think then the transfer to Cook, and Cook was awesome. I loved her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sabota kind of gave us the creative mindset, and they kind of just let us do our thing. Which I love, like... Oh, it was so good. And then... <laughs> See, uh, all right, so you remember uh, we had to film the homecoming game and then the homecoming parade, right? Yes. So, there, I still love how this happened, but, so, we get the idea, because I had uh, Miss Johnson, Jay Money, who we've already talked about her on the podcast about her being locked up for uh, embezzlement <laughs> issues. Yes. But uh, she, she ran the whole uh, student government. And I, I I was like a she was a favorite to me and so I'm like let's let's do a really cool like uh, filming video and we'll we'll get all these cool angles and all this stuff and then Miss Cook wrote press passes so we could just go right into the football game without paying yeah which I was I'm like I'm gonna use this way more often than just today <laughs> yep. and and then I went a step further and nothing ever happened with those videos nothing. Like, we really just got free access to the homecoming game. And I, I feel bad, but it's like, the footage we had was kind of, it wasn't bad. It was just, like, too much of it. And who would want to see something that literally everyone's already there? So it made no sense. But um, I got, I forget the guy's name, but the activities director. I talked to him. And he gave me a tent to set up outside my house. I, I had his personal phone number, too. And it's like, I had way too much friggin' power. And it's just because I'm with Film Club. And they're like, okay, here. I'm like, all right, cool. I think that they wanted to inspire us or give us something to do so that we have something to show for in Film Club. Now, I absolutely agree with you. We I mean, we were young, and like mm-hmm. to us, we just wanted to film everything. Right. Don't worry about editing it later. The more footage we have, the better. Right. And uh, you start to think to yourself, like when you have an overwhelming amount of footage, you just become so discouraged to edit it. And uh, a lot of times, the simpler the shot, the better. And then we tried to get all these complicated shots, and then you try to go edit them in, and then you get overwhelmed, and then you end up not even doing the whole project. So, right. Um, that uh, over over filming is definitely something that a lot of rookies will make. A lot of issue. It's an issue that a lot of rookies will do. Um, the film club uh, power that we had, getting into football games and to be part of homecoming and like not have to pay for anything, was great. It was only like five dollars, but like back then, five dollars was like. Oh yeah. I'm not working, so five dollars has a lot of value to me. It's to avoid asking mom, and you know, like, yeah. hey mom, I want to do this, and like, oh, you went to last week's game, and like, all right, but I want to go to this homecoming, this homecoming game. game. Yeah. So, it, but it, you know, it taught you how to be frugal. It taught you like there are ways to get things that cost money for free and then when you get older and like now that club that's $30 cover to get in right you now know how to get in for free so right. oh yeah you know it taught you how to be frugal and how to be uh, smart with you know the way you speak and how to get things for free oh I I, I was literally told this year like I, I was trying to convince my friend for to do something uh some project and they literally just stopped me they're like you realize I don't want to do half the stuff that you suggest but you're just so well-spoken and like you make me want to start doing it myself like it was my own idea mm-hmm. like and i'm like I I, I I i didn't know i did that but like i guess i just smooth talk people into 
hey, I got this idea. And then we always just ran with it. Your, your level of confidence can really motivate somebody to uh, do something. It usually always does come down to confidence, usually. If you can speak to someone, and even if you have no idea what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and you can just articulate the words in a way to get the other person to think, I want to be like you. Right, right. Whatever you're talking about, I want to do it. Even if it's something insane, mm-hmm. they'll do it. And uh, you see online the fake gurus, the guys that give you ads, like, I'm going to show you how to sell six and seven figures on Amazon. Just watch my free course. Like, these guys know nothing about sales. These guys know no- They only know how to drag money out of you by making you buy courses. Right. And that's just the way they speak. Their confidence convinces you that they know what they're talking about. So that's a good skill to have. Just be mindful how you use it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always a... Uh... Definitely uh, right place, right time. You want to do that. Ethics plays a big role. Yeah, we won't go into the into that part. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so we're both in high school. We're both now known as the filmers of Dakota. Yes. Like even Sibley both knew like, hey, we have to film something. It's either go to Rami, go to Bill. Yeah. Um, and so. I forget what happened, but someone offered, like, at the middle school, they want to film a, uh, it, it was a panther prowl, so it's like a Halloween parade. And so it's like, alright, that sounds interesting, and then it's like, I know you approved, I approved, and it's like, what's our game plan for this? And they're like, my game plan was to skip class. <laughs> that's seriously what it was they said go to your first hour and then after 10 minutes you guys could leave and then Sibley wrote us out of a yeah, couple the hours principal was like yeah you guys don't have to be here and then um, I did it so because now I have no nothing will come back and get me for this I did it to get out of class oh and yeah hanging out with you was totally cool like definitely not, not an issue but to me it was like I don't have to be in class and I can just film like a bunch of little kids right sure right. let's do it you know um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we would have done anything just to be able to do more filming work. Dude, like, I, you you remember the broadcast room? And, uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of good memories in there. And I don't think, in my junior year, I don't think I skipped class any other, more than any other year. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> and it's like, I just told Miss Cook, like, hey, uh, I got out of this class early. Can I hang out in the broadcast room? And then I started bringing my friends, so it was like an underground, you know, ditch spot. And <laughs> I loved middle, it. In the middle of the library. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay. Like, the t- uh, Miss Cook never saw a problem with it. Like, oh, you got approval. And I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> she, she, was a, she was a saint. I loved mm. her. And she really valued our creativity mm. and our passion. Um, and she, she wasn't so much so concerned with, Okay, I need you to go to class and take the test and uh, absorb all this information, memorize it, blurt it out on the test, and then forget it. Like, she understood that there's more to life than just what's in high school courses. Oh, yeah, without we were, a doubt. We weren't, like, freshmen. We were, like, getting ready to graduate and mm-hmm. going in our own way. You knew exactly what you were going to do. Yeah, I without was, a doubt. I was, I was like, on the fence. I was like, do I get into film full-time? Do I do something else? I ended up going a different route, but I kept film a part of my life. And she recognized the fact that I am um, stable with my education and I know what I'm doing and so I have that leisure of being able to be more flexible with my time. Right. So when she sees that you're capable of being flexible with your time, she let you do that and that was what was great about it. She she was, yeah, like basically, yeah, completely supportive. Oh, yeah. She, uh, you know, it was always fun to talk to her too. Like, she, she had a lot of knowledge, and it's like, I, I forget whatever degree she went in for, and I don't even remember her exact job. I She wasn't, like, a librarian. She was, like, a uh, consultant of, like, I, maybe she did the media stuff. I think for, she did the media and, like, event planning for, um... I think certain stuff certain for Sibley. Yeah, I mean, some of those, she wasn't a counselor. No. I mean, there were some positions there that I was just, like... What is like your role exactly? But if they were there for the students, I feel like that enough that get, that justifies their position. Oh yeah, if no. you're there for the student, and the student can go to you and feels comfortable talking to you, then you're doing your job. 
No matter what it is. You know. I, I don't even know. I, I can't remember how I met her. I, I doubt it was from... Oh, I bet you it was from Perkins and then... uh, uh What's his name? Mr. Ahern? Or uh, Adler, maybe? The name sounds familiar. Yeah, he uh, he taught the like a pop culture class in... Oh. That's the classroom he used. And he was always, always amazing. Okay. And so... I think he might have brought her in after Perkins left, and I still, I felt bad. Like Perkins wanted to teach us, like as a teacher, like she wanted us to just come to class. Well, Perkins was a student teacher, right? But she was still getting into it, trying to figure out. Here's the thing with with anybody that's new to their job, right? They think that. I need to do things by the book or I'm going to get in trouble. And one thing I loved about engineering, from day one in college, your professor is going to say a swear word. Right. He's going to cuss in some way. He's going to he's going to show his unprofessional side from day one. And that relieves so much stress and pressure off the students. And that's what I loved about engineering school was like the professors didn't even care. Right. And um, unless they like never worked in the private sector, if they were just strictly educated, like they got their PhD and then became a professor, they weren't like that. Then they were like by the book. Right. Makes but if sense. they worked out in the construction field and they saw how people are in the real world, then they didn't care. They they talked to you like a normal person. And a lot of these, edu- especially education, is so rigid and by the book that people act like robots because they've never been exposed to the real world. They've never seen what it's it's okay to like let loose. She was a student teacher. She was still new to the world, I would say. And she didn't know exactly how, you know, how to just, like, let loose. And so she wanted everything structured and by the book. And, and there's some aspects of life that need to be like that. Like money, for example, needs to be structured and budgeting needs to be structured. But when it comes to, like, a club and you're in the creative space, there needs to be that dynamic, like, you know... Open, of yeah, like... exactly. And that's what Cook was really good at. She was very good at just, like, letting things be and... You know the dynamic flow, and everyone was just kind of okay. We'll we'll get it done, but it doesn't have to be A B C like it is in the book. Uh, yeah, no, Miss Cook. She uh, the way she, I guess, was our leader for the club was, let me know if you need anything from me. Do what you guys got to do, like you know, discuss. But once you're about to film, let me know, because mm-hmm. she just loved watching us film, mm-hmm. like rehearse all this stuff, but. Really, she wasn't there for, like, planning or script writing. She's like, you know what? Just, you guys have the space. I'm here if you need me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that about her. Like, yeah, Ms. her and Miss Perkins, complete opposites. Well, one's experienced, and then the other one's still getting into it. I hope Perkins is doing much better. I mean, this was years ago. Oh. I mean, I'm sure now she has a real full-time job, and she's realized, hey, I don't have to be so you know, uptight. Um, so I always a- wanted to try to reach out to her, yeah. <laughs> back to the uh middle school thing we uh we sh- uh the morning of my so we were we went to school we you know started the day off and then within the first hour we got to go down to the uh office and then my dad drove us and on the way there i i don't he was trying to be like helpful and give tips or something but the, he said this phrase, and I'm like, you did not just say that. And he know no, nothing of, you know, the future conversation we're about to have. <laughs> but, like, he's like, this, I don't remember the topic, but I remember, you know, in that case, you just have to pretend like you're having a seizure. Like, I think it was, like, something about driving. And it's like, if you hit someone, just act like you're having a seizure. And I'm like, first of all, that's <laughs> terrible advice. And second of all... I he, he didn't know that I had a seizure. No, and I'm like, of all of everything, of all the people, of the topic you could say, I'm like, oh, I feel so bad, dude. Oh, no, it's fine. And I like, I I didn't even want to address it when we got out of the car. I'm like, I hope he just it went right over his head. You know, the fact that years later I don't even remember it happening until you brought it up. Like honestly. It See, you no, might hate him now. No. <laughs> what happened was in high school, I I was in health class. Of all places, of okay. All places. And uh, at the time, here, here's my schedule, ready? Um, I had marching band. I had cross country. Oh. I had band, regular band. Okay. I was a part of show choir. I was a part of the musical. 
I was, what else did I do? Drum club. Right. Um, taking all APs and honor classes. Of course. And uh, I think I had one other thing I was doing. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember I was lacking sleep and I was just exhausted. I mean, it's, it's the, the same. I have a similar lifestyle. And I like work and eat and sleep. That's it, you know? Right. Um, but like my entire life, like that was the basis of um, me overworking myself. And that was just how I did life. And it got to a point while well, I was in health class and I think they had the lights uh, dimmed. We were watching a video and then there was like a stro- stroke oh, okay. in, the, in the, the video that we were watching. And that stroke kind of just freaked me out. And, uh, yeah, I had a seizure <laughs> and it was weird. And like the whole classroom evacuated and they had to send me to the hospital. Thankfully I was okay. But, um, the doctors uh, attributed it to a lack of sleep, lack of health, you know, food, normal right? stuff. Yeah. Normal stuff. Yeah. So I ended up quitting cross country. Um, I told my band director, Hey, I need to chill a little bit when it comes to marching. When I actually pulled me out of two games. So I was playing in the stands, but I wasn't marching. Okay. Because I wasn't attending the rehearsals for marching. Right. So I was like, dude, like, this happened. Um, I, I had to draw back on a lot of stuff. And then my senior year, I took it very easy. I think I just did film club. And I, I quit all my sports because I was like, I need to take better care of my health, you know? Oh, yeah, priorities um, for sure yeah, for that yeah, one. I mean, although sports are healthy, but just, like, I was doing too much. Too much. Overall. I think I did just film club, and then I started the early college program, which actually takes away two hours from your school day. So I was just going in the evening to I was going to our community college. Oh, okay. And um, and that was like around the corner. Right. So Yeah, I mean, my senior year was much more relaxed. That was junior year that that happened. So for your dad to make that joke, I mean, the poor guy didn't know. Oh yeah. I went through that, but it, it was just so weird too. Like I, I I don't know when you told me about it, but like I'm like, all right, so this is in my head, and then he says that, and I'm like, uh, you couldn't have said or Eddie chose. Even a different story. Like, I still don't even know the advice. Like, it was not good advice at all. But, like, I felt so bad. And, like... No, I'm not, I'm not the type of person. Especially when the other person doesn't do it intentionally. Right, yeah. Like, okay. Like, Benefit of it out. Right. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and judge you on something that you didn't even know about. So, no, your dad's fine. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Yeah, so we go to <laughs> uh, the middle school. Modesty is uh, not as popular as it used to be. When a girl, well, I don't say girl, but like just uh, anyone that was like younger, you know, like you would look at them and be like, oh, that person's younger for sure. But now, like, you can't differentiate someone who's 13 from someone who's 18. Oh, without a doubt. So, like, and that puts you in a very awkward position because you could be like, oh, that's a good looking person. And you're like, that's a child. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it has to do with social media. It has to do with the decline of modesty. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, like, so we we show up there and I'm like we're we're talking to the vice principal and you know she's the one who requested us, and you know we start we set up in the hallway because it's going to be a passing time and I'm like, there's about like forty cat girls all like who should not be they should all be dress coded, oh. and then one of the parts is they did not announce but like if you're dressed up as a cat please come down and I'm like. I feel like me and Rami are about to get in trouble for doing all this stuff, like filming. filming. These middle schoolers. And I'm like, none of these girls should be, all of them should be dress coded. I'm, I was, I did not feel comfortable. I remember this. Oh my god, you brought back a memory that I forgot existed. <laughs> I, I almost want to apologize for bringing it back. But like, honestly, I, like, I felt very uncomfortable. I'm like, and you know, we're kids ourselves, so it's like not bad, but I'm like. But still. Do, do we have to really do this scene? Like, and they were doing a dance too, like like a, cat, like, like a, a coordinated l- dance. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I now oh. I know now I know why you brought that up. That yeah. that is very true. I do remember thinking to myself, I don't remember, you know, kids being dressed like this when we were in those. And it wasn't that long ago. It was oh like no, four without. years ago. And uh, yeah, it, it's again the acceptance of be more revealing the decline of modesty and just the social media has made it more normal oh, yeah. at the time social media it was know, like almost it was just facebook 2013 you had instagram that was getting popular i think facebook had just acquired instagram okay and snapchat they just rolled out the stories and so social media was becoming very popular right um it was that was like that was the birth i mean it wasn't the birth of it that was when it like 
that's when social media it took hit off. puberty. Yeah. yeah, it hit puberty, and now like it was taken off. And uh, nowadays, it's like you can't do anything without social media. But, oh yeah, no, you're nobody. But without that, a... back then, like it, it connected everyone together, and it, it could be a good thing. The reason you and I are still friends is because of social media, right? But. I mean, I'm glad we don't have to write letters to We don't have to write letters or, you know, keep up with, remember what your phone number is, but uh, social media makes it easy to connect with old people in your life, older people from your life, but um, it also, she exposed you and exposed children to things that they wouldn't have seen without it, and that's what made it so normal, and I think nowadays, I mean, it's even worse than what we see. Oh, dude, like, I... I think now the virginity, like, people losing their virginity, it's like middle school. Oh, yeah. And it's like, usually it was maybe high school, maybe after. Like, I, I wouldn't say it's like. I know guys in their 20s and girls in their 20s. And not for religious reasons. Right. Just for the idea of why would I have sex with you um, if we're not. Not even. Just to say love. In love. Yeah. If we're not in love, like I met you a few weeks ago, why would I do that? Right. And, um,. They end up becoming single again because that person is like, I'm, I want sex. And that's what becomes the relationship. Again, modesty is like the whole, people just don't know how to act around each other. They don't know how to act in public. It's changed. It's very much Oh, changed. completely different, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, virginity now, it's almost like, it's like a thing. Having sex is a thing to do. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing like special about it anymore. Oh, no, it's like... Uh... They, they have just apps now dedicated to us. Like, the whole point, if you match anything, you're going to get laid that day, basically. <laughs> like, it's not, you know, the idea of, hey, can I take you out to dinner? Or, uh... Yeah, it's, 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 it has nothing to do with religion. A lot of people will equate it to religion. It's not. It's just, a, it's like a cultural and social norm now. And anyone that thinks of it as, hey, this is something special is seen as, you know... It's, like, like, yeah, like you, religious. You, you, saying, you saying, hey, like, let's go to dinner, like, let's get to know each other for a few months, like, that's that's weird. That's, mm-hmm. that's why would you think... That? That's out of the norm that's now. out of the norm now, yeah. Uh, I, dude, I, I, I always say this, like, I really wish I grew up in, like, maybe the 80s or 90s. <laughs> like, like, we're, like, I hear the stories from my parents, and it's, like, love letters, it's, like... Oh, uh, I, I, I used to go, your mom worked at Arby's. I always went up there. She would give me free food. And <laughs> I'm like, that is a nice story. But now, what, what do I have to tell my kids? You oh, swiped right on an app. And then <laughs> your mom wouldn't, you know, get off and then you were bored. And it's like, it's that type of like, you weren't even planned no more. Like, it wasn't even a family planning thing. Like, mm. let's start a family. Because I met the woman of my dreams. Now it's like... Now it's like we have a family, might as well be together. Like, let's get married now, too, by the way. And it's like, you have a kid already. Like, you're None of this is going... It's out of order. Out of order, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what's going on? But uh, I, I just... I always felt so bad about... Like, we were not meant to be there. Like, we got out of class, that's why we were there. That's why I did it. I did it to get out of class. Without a doubt. I did it to go film a bunch of middle schoolers dressed up as cats. Right. That just ended up being a thing. And I remember, now I remember this, we had that uncomfortable conversation. Like, what the hell was this? Right. What did we just see? And um, we kind of brushed it off and moved on. But now that I, like, think back on it, like, that was traumatizing to Mm -hmm. see that. Like, I had no idea that that's, like... And that was just the start of it. Like nowadays, I think if we walked into a middle school, we couldn't even you couldn't even look without being disappointed. Oh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't like I already know I would be like, don't you have parents? (laughs) And it's like yeah, and I'm like oh your mom's probably sixteen. Like I get it now. Like I hate our generation. Well, their generation. But uh, all right, let's very let's skip right over that because. Um, Dakota Night Live. This is fun because I was working behind the scenes, you were performing, mm-hmm. um, and I remember I was part of the, uh, I was doing the curtain, that was my job, and we had a rehearsal, and you went out to the audience, I don't know if you could explain this better, but you, uh, had the duct tape on your mouth, went out to the audience, picked three guests, which, in rehearsal, you picked the right three guests. Yeah, so the the act was <laughs> I had tape on my face, and I was I was copying someone 
um, it taped, was taped face was on America's Got Talent. Yeah, I'm familiar and with him. So he became he got on America's Got Talent way after I already discovered him. I discovered him. I discover famous people before they're famous. Like Casey Neistat. I knew Casey Neistat when he had 50,000 subscribers. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and like me and him used to email each other. And he was the one that talked me out of going to film school. <laughs> but I can talk about that later. Oh. So, Taped Face, or back then he was referring to himself as the boy with tape on his face. Okay. Did this act where he had three volunteers go up, and he had tape on his face. And he was trying to get them to um, do a dance and... Like chore- choreograph. He was trying to teach them the chore. He was trying to choreograph a dance with them without right. actually speaking. Right. Um, and he would kind of like point at them and then mimic. Like what you wanted to that, do. Yeah, yeah. The move that he needed them to do. Jazz hands or something. Yeah. I'm trying to name the song. Um, I can't remember the name of the song. It was now. very uh it's a like popular song. yeah. So uh, anyway, so yeah, during rehearsal, so I was like, that's funny. I like that. Nobody right. knows who this guy is, so I'm going to do his act. You know, for. Dakota Night Live. Right. And, yeah, like you said, during the rehearsals, everything was great. It was, it was funny. It, like, it was spot on. Everything you wanted to happen, happened. Yeah, and I'm glad you saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got you there. And then the day of the performance, you went out to the crowd, which was a real crowd. You grabbed three people, brought them to stage, and no one was working with you. And I felt so bad. I'm like... It's not even his fault. It's these people's fault. Yeah. Like, uh, we've seen it work, so it worked. These people just don't know what the hell they're doing. The, yeah. I, uh, and amazingly, the three people I picked, this was not on purpose. Right. It was not on purpose. I knew all three people. Well, Did you? I knew two of them. Okay. I knew one very well. The other one, I knew her brother. And then the third one, I knew his daughter. <laughs> oh, I think the older dude was the biggest problem you had. They were all a problem. But, like, <laughs> I knew all three of them in some way, and I did not mean to pick them. I just, like, went into the crowd, and then they were, like, there, and I just picked them. The dad one, I didn't even know who he was until afterwards. But, okay. Um, I knew his daughter. Anyways, the first guy had such a... He wanted to take over the show, hmm. and he was actually somebody in film club. Was he? Yeah. I he don't remember him. He was in film club, and he's a nice guy, but he is... He just does not know how to take life. He takes life way too much of a joke. Right. And when he needs to, like, lighten up and just be serious for a minute. Not lighten up. Just be serious for a minute. Like, hey, what, like it, it's not all about you. Life's not all about you. Right. So he, he kind of wouldn't listen. He was acting silly on stage. And I'm like, dude, like, I have a performance I'm trying to do. Like, please listen to me. And so he made it very difficult for me. The dad, it almost seemed like he didn't want to do what I was telling him to do. I don't remember what the move was, but, like, I was just trying to teach him to do a move, and he wouldn't do it. And then the girl was just, like, arms crossed. Right. What? Why am I here? Like, why'd you even get out of your seat if you were going to be like that? Like, I I was like, ah, oh, dear Lord. So, um, I did eventually get it to work. Right. Um, and I finally got them to do what I needed them to do, but dear Lord, that was a disaster. It was a, it was definitely, I, I, cause I remember hearing it it's like, this is going on a lot longer than we're, you know, we planned on it. Yeah. This and was, like, I mean, I remember that year I was like, all right, like I went backstage and I was like pissed off and, um, the stage director pulled me aside and he goes like, Hey man, I, we've seen it. We know it works. This is yeah. not your fault. That was all him. And then the principal the next day called me in his office. Oh. And he's like, I just want to let you know that you did a great job last night. I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, you did. He's like, he's like, I've talked to enough people that told me like it was not your fault. Like the performers were just the people that you picked yeah. weren't there for you. And I don't want you to feel discouraged. I don't want you to feel like you did anything wrong. You did a great job. He was so supportive of everything right. I did. And um Oh, we gotta love Sibley. Sibley, yeah, I wasn't gonna use his name, but yeah. Oh no, yeah. I've talked, talked about, about Sibley. The yeah. good people. We always talk, we always use the names for the good people. Like, yeah. Sibley was great. Like he he pulled me aside and he was like, you know, you did a great job. Um, to go off of that, the next year I did a another. I did a magic trick. I went back to magic. Okay. I was like, I'm not doing I'm not doing comedy anymore. I'm doing magic, and I did the magic trick with the comedic twist of. I think you've seen it. America's Got Talent where they put Howie Mandel on stage and then they grabbed his head and then tried to get him to read some cards and he couldn't read the words. Oh, no, I didn't see that one. So I figured it out. I figured out how they did it. And um, basically what they do is 
they, they show him a card, mm-hmm. and then he's not able to read it. But when they show the audience, the people in the front row can see it, and they can read it. Right. And they're like, how we read it, and how we can't read it. And he's saying that, like, oh, I did something to your head that makes you not take away your ability to read. Okay. So I figured out how they did it, and I did it to Sibley. Okay. Oh, wonderful. So when Sibley, I was like, I, I wanted to show Sibley, like, thank you for standing with me last year. This year, I want to do something with you. And a lot of people suspected that I was, the Sibley was in on it. Right. And uh, he wasn't. He really wasn't. And I did the trick on him, and he loved it. He was nice. so happy. In the middle of the performance, he goes, I'm so glad that this is going well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good, like, this is way better than last year, dude. Uh, he simply was so happy for me. After the show, he goes, I think this is the only time I'm going to allow any student to humiliate humili- humiliate me in front of the school. <laughs> you were the only student I'm going to allow to do that. And, uh, I love that. Sibley was a great man. I, I, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'm friends with him on LinkedIn. I mean, we keep up from time to time. I don't think he's principal now no more. No, dude. He, got, he got promoted to, I think, an assistant director of, like, the district now. Oh, okay. So, no, the guy the guy's go, moving up in life. And, uh, he, uh, he deserves it. He deserves oh, it. I, uh, you know, the next topic we'll get it, uh, we'll bring back. But uh, he uh, he came into the Chinese restaurant where when I, when I was working back then. Oh, really? And uh, he walked in, and he, he's right away, he's like, William, and then shook my hand over the counter. He's like, "How you been?" And I'm like, "That's so weird." Of you, you, you were a principal of the largest high school in Michigan, and you just remembered me from a couple, because it's been maybe a few years. And I was like, "I love that." Like, oh yeah, he he actually knows his students. Yeah, I and I think I I always thought he left principaling from you know dealing with like what happened with Greg and I know it wasn't the first time I had to deal with a student's death and I felt bad because that that takes a toll like that's oh, his yeah. student that's his yeah. those are his kids basically yeah no he he definitely went through a lot um but no he got promoted okay I, he, I'm really glad to hear he, he, he got went promoted up. he went up um I mean he worked hard in all those years oh he without went doubt so much and I think most teachers that I spoke to really liked him. Oh. And a uh, lot of them were his teachers. Oh, yeah. But, a lot uh, of them were there when he was a student, and Sibley went to Dakota. So. I, I think what Bellinger was probably uh, one of her, uh, his yeah, teachers. Yeah, McCollum Moore, who's retired now, but she was also oh. one of his teachers. Let's, I hate it. <laughs> oh, my dude. That teacher gave me so many problems. Oh, really? I liked her. Oh, no. We butted heads. That and then uh, Dr. Teichel's, Dr. T. Dr. T, yeah. I never had him, but I heard stories about him. Yeah, he was... uh, I know his daughter was Miss Michigan one year. Really? And I was like, I always liked that. And uh, I was on his good side for, like, the first week of, like, the new year when I had him. Let him down completely after that. He's like... I'm like I, I don't like your class, but I I do broadcasting, and he liked that part. There you go. But um, I wanted to bring up the telethon, where we, it was for uh, our leadership class, and it started off with me, Dylan, Lozon, and Jared. And Dylan was just ruining everything. We even, at one point, we stuck him in the cougar costume. We are like, just don't talk. You'll be there. He, he ruined that. So I'm like, Bell, can I bring one of my friends in who I, I trust him? <laughs> I trust him. He knows what I'm talking about. And she's like, yes, I'll write him out of class for that entire day. And I was like, thank you. So... You saved us that day. You saved me from class. <laughs> oh, I, which I also, that's always fun. Like, yeah. hey, do you want to not get a, or not go to class for a day? And you're like, yeah. And what do I have to do? Improv for a few hours. I remember this. We were in the newspaper, too. We were, uh, yeah. I think the voice, we were the, the cover of. Yeah, yeah, I remember this now. And uh, so you saved us you stepped in and none of us were prepared because it's like i think you were brought in two days before the actual performance and so it's like all right guys none of us are knows what's going on i'm just gonna teach you guys before like minutes before we go on air what we're doing the jokes you know the the game uh because we were doing uh games from hoot time oh yeah, yeah, yeah 
And it's like, let's just hope this goes well. And they teachers said that was the best year they ever seen. It was funny. There was one time we were going to do a three-headed Broadway star. And I think that would have been me and Lozon singing to Mr. Sibley. <laughs> and it, or I think it would have been all three of us. Three-headed Broadway star. Yeah, I thought Lo, he would. I thought he would have been part of it, but we would have uh, serenaded him one word at a time, and something bad happened. So he's like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I can't do. I got to be a principal. principal. I got to be a principal. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what what do you remember from that? Like just randomly being asked, "Hey, this is we have to be on air in a couple days." Can you please jump in? We're doing improv games. You know the show. Yeah, we have to sing. We have to dance. Or I don't think we dance, but like... I remember two things. Anytime I had the opportunity to get excused from class, I took that opportunity. Not that I was a bad student. I was a phenomenal student. Oh, exactly. I, I, I'm looking at my PhD candidate right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I was good in school. The thing is, school bored me. Right. And so if I had the opportunity to get out of it to do something more interesting, I would always do it. Without doubt. Yeah. yeah. So that was the one. Th- that was one. Second, I know that your projects are, you know, big. They're 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 positive. They're big. They're usually tied to the school. And me being just kind of a quieter voice, you know, and I do my own thing on YouTube or just like whatever. Like I, I wasn't so big on like broadcasting everything I did to the school. Right. It was something that I needed to work on, something that I needed to, you know, grow into. Okay. And so I would take those opportunities and be like, okay, well, Phil's doing this project and I want to be a part of it. And if, 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 you know, he's giving me the opportunity to be a part of it, that's going to help me grow as a filmmaker and I'll learn new skills. I'll learn like improv is something that I learned with, you know, the drama club and being in theater. Right. But to do it on a broadcast level is different. Doing it in a live audience is one thing, but then when you're like recording and there's no one in front of you, it's just a camera. Right. You know, it's a whole different atmosphere. So but it's, it's good to be exposed to that. Right. And not only is it just. See, that. I think it was a lot easier. I, I'd say it, it. For me, it was easier to do it in front of a camera and not think like this is being broadcasted to the school, mm-hmm. the largest high school. We have five shows we have to do that day in front of them all. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a little nerve wracking, but it's like, all right, it's just it's broadcast room, so it's like almost a hangout. It was nothing but the four of us and then Miss Cook working the camera, right. and it was like it was just so much easier. Like if I did that, I I couldn't do Dakota Night Live. I I I don't. I, I I would have pushed myself to do it if I had to. This is in front of a live audience. Yeah, yeah. but like. I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Yeah, it's been it's been years since I performed in front of a large audience like that. I'm thankful that I did it in high school. Right. I think it built a lot of the. It gave me the ability to teach. I would say. Oh, I'm because sure. now it's a, when you're teaching, you're performing in front of students, mm-hmm. and you're performing how smart and knowledgeable you are on the topic that you're teaching. And uh, now that I'm like kind of a professor, I mean, I'm a I'm a lab instructor is my title, so. It, the perform it's a performance right if i know what i'm talking about students will listen students will trust me and they'll give me positive feedback if i don't know what i'm talking about or even if i do but my confidence isn't there then the students aren't going to listen to me they're not going to take me seriously and no respect, lose my job. Yeah. lack of respect yeah. right so what we did with improv what we did with broadcast club what we did with you know theater it really shaped me as a person to be able to just kind of talk to people I like that. You know, and to perform in front of people. And it, you really don't see those skills come into play until you get into the real world. A lot of times people are like, this is such a waste of time, just focus on your studies. I disagree. And this is coming from someone with a lot of education. I disagree. Education is not everything. Education oh, is a doubt. large component of your qualifications, but it is not necessary, or rather, it's not um, a requirement to having good communication skills. It's not a requirement to having good people skills mm-hmm. and just being able to put yourself in the world. That comes with your life experience. Oh, dude, I when um I left Dakota, I convinced my counselor, and then I basically con- I, after convincing her, I convinced my parents, and it was like scot free, I could leave. And um, seriously, like it was like I don't need to be here no more. 
The classes, mm-hmm. nothing I learned in any of these classes will ever be applied to my life. Like, I know math, one plus one. I know pluses, minus, times. You know, I know every teacher in the past, you know, in elementary school said, you'll never have a calculator in your back pocket. Well, they're all wrong now. Yeah, we do have calculators in our back pocket. Yeah, like, at any second, I could figure out, not only that, anything, I could Google anything. On a higher level, let's talk calculus. Oh. I don't, I don't necessarily, calculus is not numbers. Calculus is... Like, letters. It's letters, and the letters are variables, and it's all theoretical. Right. And I've taken up to differential equations, so I've taken every calculus course you could think of. Wow. I don't use calculus because we have software that does calculations for us. And, and I don't have to calculate my images and how they are stitched together by running a, uh, uh, an algorithm. I could just run an algorithm. I don't have to sit there and solve the calculus equation to calibrate the images. My, I run my algorithm, and within a second, that image is calibrated in the correct position, and then the next one, and the next one. And so it's good to know it, so I think learning it is good. Right. But under, I just there's a difference between understanding it and using it. We don't really use the high-level education. You don't, I mean, the math that you learned in high school, you can do it on a calculator. You don't need to sit there and figure out how to solve Pythagorean theorem. Right. When you can just give the two sides and then calculate what the third side is on your, on your phone. You right. Know? So I get that. And it's, it's good that you were able to recognize that get started with your career um you do that you got your ged right yeah i went with the ged route okay so you you got your ged so that that basically says hey i did what i needed to do Mm -hmm. to get myself a job you know i didn't just drop out of high school and get nothing no no i I went the other route the route that exists that a lot of people don't take advantage of you can still go to college you can still get a you know a decent paying job right it's the same it's the equivalent to the high school it's ged stands for good enough degree (laughs) <laughs> that that's all it means it's like it's good enough basically it's like you just didn't want to waste your time six hours a day every friggin week and it's like that's it if you're if you're 17 years old and you figured it out and you see something is working mm-hmm. and you're not going to and you feel like this next year is just going to burden you go for the ged if yeah. you have if you're smart enough to pass it you don't have to do that last year and then if you, let's say, 10 years down the line, you're like, you know what, I want to go get an engineering degree. You can still do that. Right. So that I always support anyone that thinks that, hey, like, I'm not going to do school. I'm going to get into business or I'm going to, you know, do whatever it is I need to do to be successful. And you see the success is already happening. Right. Don't take a chance on it. No, make sure you have a plan. You have you a know, plan. You, you have some yeah. back knowledge of stuff and well, the You have everything. some skills that are going to be useful. A lot of people that get into trades, you know, they have some kind of connection they get into welding they're gonna pay them 20 bucks an hour but you need to start tomorrow and they're 17 years old right get that ged and go work for that 20 bucks an hour because you're not if you start working right away you're you'll be better off like school if you have work experience over schooling they're gonna take like oh you know how to weld and you're 20 years old boom i'll give it to you instead of having to pay this guy have to go to school um just to segment off of Anyone that goes to college undecided. Right. Oh, a lot of people. Actually, a lot not, of people. not college. I take that back. Because community college, you can you can be undecided in community college. Like, do the basic yeah, you can, classes. I mean, it's like 100 bucks a credit hour, so it's yeah. not that bad. If you go to universities, more specifically out-of-state universities that are charging you like $700 a credit hour, and you're undecided, you are the reason why debt is so high in America. Right. Student loan debt, more specifically. Right. I, I, I feel bad for anyone that has a large amount of student loan debt, but I am living evidence that I went to community college in high school, uh-huh. I decided what I'm going to do, and I went to a state, in-state university that had only, it was like $300 a credit hour. Okay. I worked part-time job in college, I did internships over the summer, paid internships. Um, I know those aren't easy to find, if you can't, you get a job, you right. work at a job. And a lot of people are like, well, I need the experience and whatnot, then... Pick a degree that'll pay you your internship. Engineering, which is one of the reasons I did, is like all their internships are paid and they're paid well. Like they pay you like 15 to 20 bucks an hour. Engineering is probably one of the, it's almost as being a doctor or a lawyer. Like it it, is so underrated. People think that you have to be a doctor or a lawyer to be successful. I take that. I, I, I disagree. I think doctor and lawyer is more risky because you have to accumulate so much debt in undergrad. Mm-hmm. even more debt in grad school because it's so oversaturated the opportunities of getting your grad school paid for is 
slim. Right. So most people graduate with their law degree or their medical degree with six figures of debt. And uh, then they start their residency at 40K a year. Or they start uh, a, a law job, a job at a law office as a junior attorney at $60,000 a year. Again, you have six figures of debt. Engineering, most engineering students are graduating with no debt. Most engineering students that go on to get a master's and PhD are getting assistantship from the university, whether they're doing research or teaching. Right. And that's getting paid for. I'm doing a PhD that's fully funded by the university. Which is awesome. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, and I paid off my other two degrees while I was doing them. Did I take out a couple loans? Yeah, I did. Right. And, but I paid them back right away. And so for anyone that's going to school, for anyone that's actually considering it, the plan is always, how are you going to pay for it? Do you know what you're doing? What kind of job are you going to get? And is that job worth the degree? If your answer is no to any of those questions, don't go to college. I, and uh, <laughs> we got to wrap it up here, but uh, I just want to add on to that. I think one of the biggest thing is, are you going to be happy doing it for the rest of your life too? Yes. I think that should be the, the top five. If you answer no to any of them, yeah, don't 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 go in that direction. There are so direction. many miserable doctors right now that are drowning in debt and can't get a fellowship because they were like, you know what, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. They got their bio degree, they got into med school, or didn't get into med school, and they're doing something else, and then now they're miserable, and they're not even making the money that they thought they'd be making, Ooh. and they would have been way better off doing something else, you know, so, yeah, it's sad. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we're, we're going to end it there, um, you, you definitely have to come back, you know, I, I love talking to you again, yeah, it's but, good uh, to you too. but uh, my name is William Service, yeah, this is Robbie Tamini, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs>